At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hey, this is Rashad White. You're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the Epic Roster Watch Podcast, brought to you by RosterWatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, and joining me today, this is a guy, man, that I, I've been excited to get on the pod for a long time. Seen him come up from a from a from a scrappy young buck trying to find his way in this industry now to one of the most influential voices in the whole entire draft space. He's of course Kyle Krabs. You can find him on Twitter at grinding the tape. You can hear him on the Draft Dudes podcast with our other good friend and multiple uh, multiple guest here on the podcast and on the radio show, Joe Marino. Uh, Kyle is also the director of scouting, of course. I, I, I guess Kyle, your I guess your main job, director of scouting for the Draft Network. What what the hell is going on, brother? Yeah, first and foremost, Alex, I appreciate you having me on, and obviously been following your work for a long time. Uh, as well so anytime we get a chance to to catch up and talk ball i'm excited to do it and um yeah it's it, knowing joe's got a couple more reps on on me i think i'm gonna have to press you to get me back on again i got everything's a competition so <laughs> you and joe man and we we were just talking be, uh, before um before uh, we pushed play man but like i like you guys if you don't listen to the draft dudes podcast even if you even if you um because you guys do it year year round, and I was just I was just telling Kyle like during like during draft season I'm a I'm a listener to the pod. I think it's an awesome podcast. But those these studios are pretty funny together, man. It's a, not not um not that they don't bring a bunch of great information, man. But the two personalities, I I, I really get a kick of those out, out of those two guys, and your and your producer that's been on there a bunch lately too. Uh, notice he's Chris. been kind of contributing, Chris. Yeah, yeah, he'll pop in every now and again. We like to dog him, and give him a hard. That's so. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. And 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 you also get all the Miami Dolphins tilt from from uh, from Kyle. Uh, I, I actually probably want to ask you some Miami stuff, but before we do, I just want to go over some of this wide receiver and running back stuff uh, in the in the draft coming up. And you guys over at Draft Network, I had it pulled up yesterday because I was just trying to do some prep work. To, to get mm-hmm. ready for this. And I guess you guys don't have Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave quite as high as some of the big sort of media types. I know Daniel Jeremiah has Garrett Wilson as his number one prospect. Um, there are some other guys. I think Lance Zerline has him. I forgot whether Lance has him ranked relatively high or not. Um, where do you guys see Olave and Garrett Wilson? How do you see the differences in those two's game? And for me, it's been may- it's been maybe the hardest decision of this draft season for me 
deciding what style of player I think is just who who I like better but between Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, they, they both have so many things that that you can like. Yeah, and, and that's really what it comes down to, right? Is it's what what flavor do you want? What kind of offense do you want to run? You know, what kind of receiver do you need? Where Chris, he's so good vertically, and he's not super explosive in those first five ten yards, but you know, he he is a four three guy, and, and he can really open up his strides and attack you and stack you vertically down the field. Just watching how well he adjusts his track and and picks up the ball in flight, makes those adjustments vertically down the field. Teams that have a big arm passer that really want to create a lot of air yards and be aggressive and have shot plays, that's where Chris wins the most. Whereas Garrett's more, uh, I think, more of a multi-tool type guy. Uh, I think whether or not you feel largely comfortable with him being on the outside or or somebody who you want moving around your offensive set and working from the slot at a, a reasonably high volume. And I know that some of the guys on our staff uh, that's the big question with Garrett is it's just where do we like to, to implement his skill set the most because he's physical, he blocks his ass off in the run game, and he creates a lot of run after catch. So there, we, a lot of our guys see that and it's like, man, I, I want him a little closer to the box to be able to influence and crack down on backers and, and get more of those mismatches with safeties and linebackers uh, if, if you catch a team in base to, to really thrive uh, with the ball in his hands. So I think Garrett's probably a little bit more of a creator, whereas Chris is a little bit more dynamic with what he can do down the field. Now, for me personally, uh, I've got Chris 17th in my rankings, and I've got uh, Garrett 28th in my rankings. So I still have them both in the, the top 32. Um, but I, I just kind of think about that, that skill set that Garrett has, and I think you can find reduced versions of that player in this draft class a little easier than what can, what you can with with Chris and his raw skill set as a vertical guy down the field. So with Olave, and I've been having so much trouble with this because with Olave, like you said, he's the downfield threat, but he so he's a, he's a dynamic threat, but he also he also looks smoother and more pro ready to me. Um, when I watch Garrett Wilson, I, I I fall in love with what a you know he 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 did have six drops last year, but I still fall in love with what a natural hands catch. Catcher is. I mean, he's always yeah. catching the ball with these big outstretched hands. Um, you know, he, he, he finds all kinds of different ways to uh, separate and he seems to have better length than um, you would think based on, I mean, what is he? He's only, he's only foot, six foot one eighty three, something like that. So it's like the length, yeah. you don't expect it to be that big. You also look at it and you say, well, Olave is a senior. Garrett Wilson's a junior. You're getting a guy who's younger. But then I looked at their ages. These guys are only like two months apart as far as their ages, which I thought was interesting. I mean, Garrett Wilson's old for his his grade. I guess Chris Olave is young for his grade, but those guys are basically the same age. I just wonder to you, whenever you look at Garrett Wilson, is the I mean, could we get fooled by the fact that he makes these kind of Odell Beckham catches and stuff? I, like, I, I just I just wonder, man. Like, if if like he put a gun to my head, uh, it seems like Olave probably has a higher. Does he have a higher floor? Like, it's like, would you say that that's a fair representation of how you might see it i think so and and for that to that point that's why i have chris higher personally for me uh with with garrett i thought he made a couple of significant jumps in his game this year i thought his his consistency playing the ball was better this year than it was last year as far as he still made the hands catches but he misplayed a couple of of relatively routine targets in 2020 versus this year and i still think he's 
getting better as far as winning on the outside against press coverage. I mean, you, you look at the Penn State game and those long physical corners that Penn State had against Garrett, yeah. like he had a hard time getting off the line of scrimmage on the outside. Mm-hmm. So you know, those are just areas of his game that as he continues to develop, if there's growth there, you can easily get to a point of having a lot of optimism for what he can be. But Chris is, if you're a team that runs five, seven step drop, pushes the ball down the field, I think about a team like the Chargers, potentially going into a place like that and asking him to win down the field team like Dallas, you know, who, who likes to be aggressive and and has a bunch of different options in the passing game. So if you're just isolating him and asking him to run the deeper concepts and then he compliments off the guys around him, I I think there's certainly a higher floor with Chris, but I would say it's also fair that Garrett has, more boom potential in the right system too. I I, I think that's a good way to put it. And, and Chris Olave to the Chargers would absolutely obliterate any hope anybody has for Josh Palmer. I think. Um, okay. Uh, what about hey? Do you do you do you have Traylon Burks in that same kind of range? Where are you on Traylon? And what is yeah. your book on that guy? Yeah, he he's a little bit lower. He's in the thirties uh, for me, and I know in our rankings in general, uh, we kind of have him valued as an early two from just a valuation perspective, like in a perfect world. Now, whether or not there's 32 guys worth a first round pick is a different story. So some of those guys might end up going in the first round. Uh, I could still see that pathway for Traylon Burks, but uh, just, just raw as a route runner. I think Arkansas did a really nice job of getting him into situations in which the touches that he was getting a lot of times really was tailored into what he does well as a 225 pound guy who can, catch the ball and whether they're running that slice across the backfield with play yeah. action, I obviously have the power downhill runner at the quarterback position to really stress those linebackers and those hash defenders. And then he's out leveraged you and he gets upfield and he's challenging guys that he outweighs by 30 pounds. So uh, I just think with, with Traylon Burks, you're probably going to have to operate under the standing understanding that he's not going to be a wide receiver one for you in the immediate future. And you don't know that he's going to get there because I do think that there's just a lot of growth that's needed as a, a route runner, but the hands, the contested catch ability, uh, the ability with the ball in his hands to really challenge guys on the perimeter are all things you like. It's just there. I think that's probably a, a more favorable three year projection instead of the, the year one projection. Do you think that the whole thing about Debo Samuel this year and the way he was used just has everybody going so crazy thinking that yes. any wide receiver can do this? That is so disrespectful to Devo Samuel to suggest <laughs> that Traylon Burks can fill that. I mean, and and beyond just the athletic profile of the two guys, like Debo Samuel went down to the Senior Bowl and was running routes in one on one down in the red zone and putting guys in the blender. Like he ran a whip. Do you remember route that there. whip route? Okay. Yes, <laughs> okay. So, okay. yes, so, yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. I, I reference that play all the time with, yeah. with Traylon. Like Traylon's not doing that, yeah. so don't expect that from him. That's not fair to Traylon, and it's definitely not fair to what Debo was coming out. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, Debo was something else that, that, I mean, him and Cooper cup, I think for the two weeks of wide receivers, yeah. I just always look back on and say, Jesus, Denzel Mims had one of those weeks, kind of, but I don't, he did. I don't, I don't know what's happened with him. Um, okay. So uh, I, I, is Chris Olave your wide receiver one? I have Jamison Williams above him, but oh, Chris well, is my wide receiver too. Well, can you talk about Jamison Williams? Yeah, obviously it's, it's ir- ironic. We spent the first, couple minutes here talking about two Ohio State kids and the guy who had to transfer out to get playing time is, is <laughs> like every bit is good mm-hmm. uh what, what blew me away about Jameson is he gives you the same vertical component that I think Chris does as far as his ability to 
get stacked and, and get on top of you can still run split safety coverages and you can play 18 yards off and he's still going to get behind you. Like he he's a gazelle in the open field as far as running the post patterns. And when Alabama is looking to push the ball down the field, uh, he's so good in that role. But I think the thing that separated him from Chris for me, and they're built similarly. I know Jamison came into the combine at 179, but he's not really working out right now. So it's hard to say exactly what he would have checked in at where Chris was, I think 189 or 188. Um, Jamison, I think, is better in short spaces and you manufacture him touches in the screen game and in the, the, the quick hitches and, and get him the ball in his hands and allow him to create. So I think they're comparable players down the field, but Jamison has a little bit more wiggle to him uh, where, Chris, I agree with what you, your assessment. He's really smooth, but Jamison's got the twitch to him. And that, for me, was real, what really separated him and just gave him a little extra layer. It's just, I mean, so I mean, so productive, too, even within the context yeah. of that offense. I mean – Golly, I'm just looking at. I, just, I I forgot he went 79 for 15, 72, and 15, and that and like like and that's and so if if you'd have done that in previous Alabama offenses, maybe we get discounted a little bit just because of how prolific they were. But even with this one, it's like I mean he owns 28 per, he owns 28 percent of the offensive production that came through the air. That's just absolutely wild. Um, so Jameson Williams, your wide receiver one. Did, are are there any of these guys that fell? or really raised their profile either through the senior bowl or through the combine for you. I know you guys, you know, you guys have your big boards ready and stuff even before mm-hmm. all this. And so I don't know, like how much do you get swayed by that? And how much does it matter to you? Say like a Christian Watson who I, I don't know how you thought he looked at the senior bowl. I thought he looked really good at the senior bowl yeah, he did. and then has a great, uh, I mean, just a elite combine. And on the mm-hmm. other side of it, you got guys like, you know, David Bell, David who Bell. comes in and runs a four six five. Um, maybe if you could talk about those two guys and just sort of how your process, how you integrate these new pieces of information into the process after you guys are kind of ahead of everybody else as far as the tape evals. How do you integrate these other pieces in as we're all trying to wrap our head around the whole picture? Well, and in some cases, I'm in the same boat that you guys are, because the way that we operate with our scouting structure is we got the full time guys take regions of the country and in the summertime, you watch those guys, you do a pros and cons, just a quick assessment. And then we'll take three weeks where we will take everybody's top graded players nationally and we'll come together and we'll watch them all together and do like a quick cross check on those guys. And then we'll let the season play out. November rolls around and you go back to those original regions that you were in and you spend 10 weeks doing trait by trait film breakdown within your specific region. So I have big 10, and Mac as an example. And mm-hmm. I also have like Notre Dame and a couple of the schools. So from November through the end of, or the, the middle of January, I'm only watching big 10 Mac and a couple of independents. And then what we'll do is we'll stack our grades within each of our regions into one collective board. And then we'll start cross-checking guys where, okay, today's first day of cross checks. We're watching the top four names, across Mm -hmm. everybody's grades, we'll all watch them together and come back with our consensus grades. So, I mean, for some of these guys at the the senior bowl, like I was the only guy who watched David Bell going into the senior bowl out of our group. So some of our guys on staff, that was their first impression or excuse me, not David Bell, Christian Watson. Watson. So you get to watch Christian Watson in that environment. And it's like, Hey, like it gives me a little bit more enthusiasm about what he is versus if I was the regional guy, who watched him and said, well, they run and they play in a run heavy offense. He's a high weight speed guy and he's playing at the FCS level. So it kind of builds those natural opportunities to revisit your own opinion too. 
So for Christian Watson, the guy that we had who did him regionally, he came back with like an early three on him. And he's like, yeah, you think he's, he's got some good juice and you can see his ability down the field. And then the rest of us, our first impression was him at the senior bowl. And then uh, we got a chance to meet with his agent before uh, the day before he tested in Indianapolis. And he was like, Hey, just, just be ready. Like, I hope you're mentally prepared for what's going to happen tomorrow. And sure enough, he runs four, three, six. And it's yeah. like, Oh, okay. Like, so we did, uh, we did his cross check last week across our entire group. That's just how he managed to stack up. So the guy who did the regional grade was like, yeah, obviously I sold him sword. I got to come up. I got to bump his grade a little mm-hmm. bit and everybody else. We kind of settled on him right on that fringe second round. I think the first round talk is a little rich for him, especially in this wide receiver oh, yeah. class and how yeah. deep it is. But uh, the, the tools are obviously there and he looked the part at the senior bowl, which is such a huge part of that for the small school kids. So he really helped himself. And, and Alex, as far as your other question with, with David Bell, um, I still like David. I didn't expect him to be a blazer. Was I a little disappointed that he ran four six? Yes. But I think he also, he came in at uh, two two twelve. So, I mean, he, it's, mm-hmm. it's a reasonably bigger guy for a guy who's, who's less than six one. He's six, six foot and seven eighths. Mm-hmm. So he's fairly dense too. Uh, and I thought he ran routes really well at Purdue and his ball skills are really good. And I think he's a reliable hands catcher and, and his concentration through, through contact is really good. So uh, we got those guys both in that second round bucket for us. I'm not ready to give up on David Bell, but yeah, I mean, it took the wind out of my sails a little bit to see yeah. how, he, how he ran. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. It, it, it feels like, it, it felt like coming out of the, I mean, I'd feel, yeah, I, I don't think Christian Watson will go first round, but coming out of the combine, it felt like it was a day two block. You know, it's just, oh, yeah. that's that, that's definitely going to happen. I think that some of these other guys, uh, again, Kyle, I, I'm, I'm respectful of your time here, but there's so many dudes I'd like to ask you about. Um, You're good. So another guy that I felt like was a sort of a winner at the combine uh, was, was Sky Moore. Just for one, when I got mm-hmm. to, I don't know if you've watched him yet, but like when yep. I got to, we got to, you know, the, the media gets to talk to these guys. I got to kind of take him off podium and talk to him a little bit. For one, I just really liked him. I thought he was a super cool kid and a cool dude yeah. and a guy who um, just one of these guys, you know, football teams are, bit, are, are workplaces, man. It seems like, he seems like a fun guy that a lot of people really like to hang out with. And um, the other thing was like his agility drills. I mean, he, he ran a 4-4-1. That damn offense completely ran through him at Western Michigan. When you go back and you watch the film, I'm not sure though, when you look at his, tra- when you look at his traits, I hate to put you on completely on the spot, man, but um, do, what do you think this guy more does best? Like, what do you, what do you like about him? Do you, uh, and do you, do you agree with me that he's a guy that might've kind of elevated his stock to maybe be a day two pick? Absolutely. I think he's probably in conversation for, for uh, second round. Um, 
he only has three years of experience playing wide receiver too. You know, he, when he first came to, to Western Michigan, he was a quarterback and a DB. So oh. you, you compartmentalize that and then you realize, okay, he transitioned to wide receiver at Western Michigan and he declared as a junior. And you can clearly see like for a guy who's as nuanced in releases as he is, there's still growth potential there. So I, I think growth opportunity is something that's of interest to me with Sky. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they ran a lot of RPO offense and, and really you know, took advantage of that with him on those in-breaking routes and setting up run after catch. Um, the comp that I have for him as far as stylistically as a route runner and, and uh, a body type is Sterling Shepard. Well, we, that, that, well, that's, well, that's trash man's comp. I, I thought that my comp was Jarvis Landry and, 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 and trash man's comp was Sterling Shepard. So I like, I, I like trash man's call. There. <laughs> and and l- listen, Jarvis is a better athlete than what he tested the combine. I think we all know that, but, but I just think sky, uh, I do think that pop exists with him that, that you can get some big plays out of him. And as you see the RPO continue to be implemented across the league, I think, those opportunities for him where if you're identifying at the snap when you when you hold the ball out for mesh that you have free access and you get him that in stride catch, I think that's oh, yeah. where he can really shine. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean and but we've already seen that out of we've already seen it out of him. It's yeah. like it's it's uh yeah, I like Sky a lot. All right, just one last thing on on wide receivers. You gotta pick one. Um J- Jahan Dotson from Penn State or George Pickens from Georgia. Who do you like better? Jah- Jahan Dotson and it's not close. Not close. Not close. Is, I, um, is, is, this, is, is it just what you love about Dotson or are there concerns that you have about Pickens? I thought it was weird that he came in with only, what, eight and three-quarter inch hands? That seems like yeah. – it, it Because he's so good at the catch point. Yeah, I was just like, I yeah. was just like what? It, because it's, he's, he's got those big white gloves and you just think, you know, they look like hamburger helper gloves. Maybe he just right. didn't know how to stretch his hands out for the, for the, uh, for the measurement. I don't know what happened. It, it's more about Jahan. For me, where I know he's not a bigger body type guy, but I think he's somebody who can win on the inside, but he can also win on the outside. I don't really have a lot of concerns with him playing against press coverage. But um, what really pops to me for Jahan is his catch radius for a guy of his stature and the throws that really test working outside of your frame where you think about uh, a – uh, Wandale Robinson from Kentucky, who's who's built similarly, but his wingspan I think is is like three four inches shorter, and it, mm-hmm. it kind of shows up where he has to get his frame behind the ball to consistently catch it. Whereas Jahan, he's consistently extending out, and like you talked about with Garrett Wilson, it it doesn't have to be on the body for him to make the catch. And then just how twitched up and explosive he is, and so I think versatility, run after catch, and, and consistency at the catch radius are all things for Jahan that. Uh, I, I think I'm fairly high on him. I don't know where the consensus across the space is, but I've got him in the mid twenties as far as evaluation. Okay. So you like him about as much as Garrett yeah. Wilson. Yes. Yeah. I mean, okay, cool. Um, I love Jahan Dotson too, but the, I've been, I've been having a hard time stacking up those, those two guys. So I'm just kind of cheating here on my, on my own yeah. rankings, trying to get your input. Yep. Um, okay. Uh, let's just talk quickly about a few running backs. And mm-hmm. I just, I wanted to ask you off the bat. I know you were at the senior bowl, of course. Um, like what did you think of Damian Pierce at the senior bowl? And um, why didn't, why didn't they use him? Like, why didn't they use him more at Florida? I wondered, like, if you guys had any talks about Damian Pierce at, at TDN and just kind of what might've happened with him? Yeah. 
we actually had Damien on the draft dudes uh, about a month ago. Oh, okay. And that was one of the things that we talked about with him was like, oh, do you find the silver lining from not being somebody who was as, as involved in, in carrying the ball as you would have? Because he kept going back to the, they, we had such a great room of, of running backs at Georgia and we all wanted to be more involved and, you know, but, but we, we didn't take it personally. We all bound together and it's, it's less wear and tear on me now at this point. But, um, it, it was definitely a big sticking point, even the Florida fan base, from what I understand, they were very frustrated with the rushing offense that was there and not getting their best players, the ball, but Damien's, that guy's a dude and, and how he brings it in all phases, you know, for a guy who's what's he's, he's listed five ten two fifteen. I don't have his exact measurements up in front of me from right the, now. So from, from the, from the combine, it, he was at five ten five ten two eighteen. Okay. I don't, but we just, we, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if that's a five Oh nine seven or something. We just round up. Yeah. So. He just rounds up. Yeah. Either way, he's a, he's a dense guy, right? And you would mm-hmm. associate that with how angry he runs as, okay, he's your stereotypical, like, short yardage back. He's probably not going to have a lot of value. He may be a, a gap power guy who's an early down back. But him in pass pro, too, like, mm-hmm. he brings it. And yeah. he's got a big-time edge about that. And, and you listen to him talk when, when we did the interview. And we Joe and I both came away from that interview. It was like, dude, he's got the right mentality to really – be a lot better pro player than he was a college player as far as productivity goes. And he could catch. You remember some of those catches he yeah. made down the sidelines on wheel routes? I mean, like I got to the point towards the end of the week, I'm like this, not to, not from a personality standpoint, but I'm just like, he kind of reminds me of Darius Geis. You know, it's like the same kind yeah. of, he kind of reminds me of that. Yeah. Isn't it? Well-rounded runner. skill set, but, but a guy yeah. who's physical and, and as big as he is. Yeah. I can see that. Um I want to ask you about some of these other senior bowl guys, but I get because Rashad White, it feels like is kind of catching up in the dynasty community here mm-hmm. after he was able to get some good, some good testing done. Um, testing done at the combine. He ran sub four or five at, you know, 214 pounds. Everybody loves the fact that he caught 43 footballs last year, 21% market share of his team's productivity as far as just pure receptions. I mean, if you get that, at the next level, guys who play fantasy are just apps. You know, they go ape over these guys who can catch. Uh, do you? What do you think about Rashad White out of Arizona? Uh, out of um, Rashad White out of Arizona State? Do you think that his game translates well to the NFL? He 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 seems to me like a pretty uh, pretty patient and smooth runner. Um, not as violent, you know, of a runner as as, as a Damian Pierce, at least by my eye. What do you think about Rashad White? Yeah, you know, it's, the timing here is good. I watched him over the weekend for the cross check. Just as, as oh, cool. so he's fresh for me. And they, I don't know what they were thinking, given number one the the ball as often as they did in that backfield. Who is that guy? Num- number one he, for them. Do you know who that, who I, that is? If I understand, I was texting Damian Parson, who's on our staff, about him. It sounds like he transferred to Ohio State and is like changing positions. Oh, okay. Like so. Yeah. But but you you could clearly see the difference as far as like the movement skills and the instincts. And I think Rashad is like he's not super sexy as an athlete. I, th- I think he jumped really well. He might have jumped like 38 in a vert or something like that. But like you mentioned, he's productive in the passing game. Um, he sees cuts really well when he decides it's time to stick his foot in the ground. He can get up into a gap. 
He's modestly sized. He's not overly dominant as far as size or power or anything like that, but he's, he checks the boxes in just about every capacity. And I can see him being somebody who, you know, good opportunity, you know, if, if you catch almost like what happened with Elijah Mitchell this year, and I don't, I'm not even saying he's going to go that late in the draft, but if your opportunities fall, right, you could end up being your, your primary ball carrier and a leading rusher for a team. And I could absolutely see that for him. I just, I just looked on player profiler. Cause I can't pull for some reason. I can't pull up the, can't pull up the vertical or the broad, but I mean, he has, he has an 87th percentile burst score for those guys. So it's yeah. like, I mean, yeah, he, he, he definitely has some good jumps. Um, all right. What about the guys at the very top, Kyle? This will be the la- one of the last things I asked you about because people were all over the place about who their running back one is in the class. Um, I, there are a lot of people who love Isaiah Spiller. He'll have his pro day. To, we'll, we'll be out his pro day tomorrow and hopefully be able to see what 40 time he gets down, down, down here in Texas. Um, I feel like it, people are talking about him. Kenny Walker, it feels like the Kind of the early consensus is kind of around Brees Hall from what he was able to do just from a testing perspective. Um, have you watched much of Brees Hall? Have you watched much of Spiller, any of these guys at the top, and sort of have thoughts on how they sort of stack up? And honestly, like where that – I mean, are they in their, Are they in any kind of tiers for you, or is it kind of – or how does it work? Isaiah is in a tier of his, of his own for me personally. Uh, I think it's as, kind of – As your RB1? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I really, I, he snuck into, I, and I was surprised cause I watched him in the summer when we did our, our regional cross checks. It was like, okay, like he's got good feet. He's good size back. Um, but I, either I picked the wrong games or I think he, he I thought his movement skills this year were on a different level as far as like those jump cuts where he's setting up that linebacker on the second level and then boom, he's mm-hmm. out of there. And, and like they, that was really twitched up and that really impressed me for him and his ability to be an all around back who can contribute on passing downs, who can catch the ball, uh, who can run between the tackles, but I think has enough fluidity and enough smoothness to his game that if you want to run more wide concepts, I think he's going to be able to offer something to everybody. And because of that, for me, uh, that moved the needle and, and put him at the top. Whereas as Kenneth Walker, I think uh, the third down skill set is pretty worrisome to me. I know Michigan didn't really use him in the passing game all that much, but even in like you see young backs get into the the league and if you can't master third down stuff and, and, you know, be aware from a pass protection standpoint, like your playing time is going to be impacted early on. And that's my primary concern with Kenneth is it's just, he didn't really show an appetite for it either, but his, from a rushing perspective, I think he's more dynamic than what Isaiah Spiller is. But if I'm looking at the all around body of work, I would put Isaiah at the top. I would put Kenneth Walker next and, I know this is probably a pretty controversial opinion, at least based off of the way that you set this up, but Brees is a guy I'm a little worried about where he's, he's got a lot of clean lanes to hit for runs. And, you know, he tested better than I thought he would based off of watching him on film. So that does give me some enthusiasm and say, okay, like you can, if you can fall back into that athleticism and you can kind of develop how you see things when you're coming out of the mesh point and, and you're working on, if we're running wide zone and I got to read that, that front side defensive interior defensive lineman, I didn't think necessarily he was consistent in reading whether or not keep going, or I got to stick my foot in the ground and peel back out the back door. So it was kind of like an instinctual thing for me, for, for Brees that so much of his rushing production came off tackle in that zone rushing offense that they have. And they did a really nice job creating clear lanes for him to understand 
I got it. I'm going to go and then I'm going to be explosive. So I just, either he's going to go into an environment that's going to provide that for him at the next level. And then yes, he's going to outproduce where I'm probably going to project him in the draft itself. But if he doesn't and his instincts have to really shine for him to consistently find the right gap, then I'm just a little apprehensive that he might be a little bit more of a slow burn guy to get started. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com.